Hey family, you're tuning in to the Jimmy Bonds podcast on Philadelphia Radio. Pardon any technical difficulties as we are recording live on the Zoom platform. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Jimmy! Lights, camera, action. Some people thought I quit and I ain't giving satisfaction. From a different era, writing rhymes up on napkins. What you had to say was more important, man, than traffic. Yeah, I'm talking back to speaking of contemporary. What's good, family? And welcome to another episode of Jimmy Bond's Podcast on Philadelphia Radio. This show is brought to you by Major Flavor Caterings. I'm your host, Jimmy Bonds. I'm here with my co-host, Ty T. Wow, what's good, Ty? How you feeling? JB, how you doing today, man? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. And of course, I can't forget my other co-host, the lovely Miss T with the T. Miss Tiana, what's good, T? How you feeling? I'm feeling great. How about you, Jimmy? I'm doing great, T. It's great to hear everybody. It's great to have everybody here. Remember, family, if you have any comments or questions, you can call us at 844-844-1244. Again, that's 844-844-1244. You can also email us at jimmybondspodcast at gmail.com. Again, it's jimmybondspodcast at gmail.com. That's J I. M-M-Y-B-O-N-D-S, podcast at gmail.com. Now, family, on today's show, we are discussing something that I think is very needed. I think it's long overdue. I think it's something that um, I think we as a community often don't address. And so in saying that, today's topic, we are going to discuss the Black and the African-American divide. Now, and saying that, I know that sounds really crazy to people, so I have to make sure I give some disclaimers, okay? First things first, in this podcast, we're gonna be using certain types of language to specify, make differences between what we're talking about. Because a lot of times people make, they misconstrue what is really, what we're really talking about. So for example, when I refer to black Americans, I'm talking about people who were born here, and their parents were born here and the parents before them were born. I mean, the, the, the generations that were born here. When I refer to African-Americans, I'm referring more to the, my African brethren who have immigrated to this country and now have African-American siblings, or I'm sorry, children or siblings, yes, because they could have definitely been naturalized. Um, so I want to make sure that we specify that because a lot of times there's confusion on how we identify with each other. And in a lot of terms, people, we, we are very different, which is why I want to talk about this divide. So in saying that, um, I have been blessed to have a guest come on today. And we're actually going to have two guests come on. One will join us later on. Um, but I have been blessed to have a guest come on today. And family, you know how I am about the horse's mouth. You know how I like to have sources that are concrete, people that have had the experiences that can really talk about it. So today, I am happy to have join us on Jimmy Bob's podcast on Philadelphia Radio, Miss Akuna. Akuna, I wanted to uh, first, you know, get your background, you know, talk about, you know, where you're from, how you grew up, that kind of thing. Um, get some of your experiences, you know, growing up, um, which you have learned, I would say, you know, during this time, um, you know, being, being an African-American. Um, so I wanted to really find out from you, what it, what it was like, you know, growing up here and having parents that were, that were from Nigeria and having those roots from Nigeria. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead and talk about that because I, I find yeah. it really interesting. Yeah, so everybody, hi everybody, I'm Akuno Kiri. Um, so 
I'm a behavioral therapist currently in the Lancaster area. Um, my family is Nigerian. Um, my parents are first generation here in America. My father immigrated here in the 1970s for college and my mom immigrated here in the 70s as well um, for high school. I grew up in the like Montgomery County area, specifically Limerick, Pennsylvania, um, very suburban, very not cultural in a way, um, just very, very um, white. Very, very, if you think of, you know, the <laughs> house with the white picket fence, you know, racist neighbors, all of it, you know. So um, so I've been, I was in the Montgomery County area for majority of my life until I came out to Lancaster for college. Um, I went to Millersville University, which was also in a very white suburban area, but actually more culturally diverse than I'm used to. Mm -hmm. And I also went to Kutztown University, which is in Berks County, which is also more culturally diverse than I'm used to. Yes. Um, yes. So my experience in Montgomery County was, you know, very, very um, just not cultural all I had a lot of you know white friends a lot of my friends were white and black I didn't really me our family lived in the suburbs where a lot of our other families that we knew lived in like the DC metro area they lived in Philadelphia they lived in Boston they lived in New York so we really didn't live close to our cousins who resided in other areas of the country so we really didn't grow up around other like Nigerian um, family members unless we went to visit. So for us, it's very interesting to have that connection with them because we all sound different. You know, we're all from different cities. So my cousins that are from New York have the twang. My cousins that are from Seattle, you know, have that West Coast accent. We're from Pennsylvania. So a lot of our um, cultural group that resides in Philly, when we did start to, you know, immerse ourselves in the culture, you know, they look at me like, so... Like, do you speak Igbo, which is like um, the region of Nigeria that my family's from. That's the language that's typically spoken. So okay. they hear me and they're like, so like, do you speak Igbo? Do you understand it? Like, why do you sound like, you know, you lived in California your whole life type of thing. So there was a lot of microaggressions within like the Nigerian community as well. Yeah. So I think yeah. people think about discrimination, they don't think about microaggressions within your own culture as well which is what yeah. we get into so that's what for me and you know i find that i find that really interesting um that you know that's that's the reason why i wanted to do this podcast was because i felt like people don't talk about those microaggressions within your within your own culture within your own um within being, I guess, identified from European standard as part of the black community, you know what I'm saying? Part of the the, the black American community as well. Um, you know, like I, I always find it super interesting about how you guys, you know, navigate those complexities, you know what I mean? Navigate those, those things that make it hard often to try to figure out where you fit in, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. I, you know, sometimes you, you gotta, you gotta take it for what it is. You know, I think it makes up who you are in the end, of course, you know what I mean? I think it makes you, it makes you more well-rounded, you know what I mean? To, as far as, as far as existing here in America. Um, right. but I just, I just know that, I know that is, there are challenges that are involved with that. You know what I mean? As far as like how it was for you growing up. 
Um, before I ask my next question, you know what I mean? I wanted to make sure the team got in and asked any questions they had for you. Um, Ty, you got any questions for her? Yes. Um, what is the Nigerian view as the citizens over here in America? How do they view us? So that's a great question. So I, w I won't speak for everybody, you know, in my culture, but I'll okay. speak on some of the interactions that I've had, like with my parents and family members. So one thing that is very common, especially in like the West African society, you know, between Nigeria, Ghana, Liberia, the whole West coast of Africa in general, they are all colonized by either British, Germany, you know, so they've all been colonized by like societal's standard for like white European Americans. So I would say that they already have a preconceived notion of how a society should run based off colonialism. So that's where I think a lot of the divide has started. And the viewpoint of America is that like, okay, America is a promised land, you know, America, we can do this, America, we can do that. And then they wonder like, okay, well, there are some black American families here that aren't doing these things. Why is it? You know, the way I explain it to my mom is that, okay, well, you know, you came here when you were 13 or 14. Dad came here when he was in his 20s. When you're coming here, you're starting clean. You don't know anybody. You don't know about the traumas that have landed on this land. You don't, your credit history is clean because you're brand new. So all of these things have already acted as a catalyst for oppression for people before us way, way before us. So I believe that they see it as, you know, you guys, everybody has all this opportunity. Why not jump in and do what we're doing, you know, do what we're doing and doing this like we are, but you, everybody's path is different. Yeah, yeah. I'm like thinking now, wow. <laughs> See, you got, you got any questions? You got any questions? I know T got two questions for I just think about the whole thing she just said. Like, it, it makes sense though. It makes sense. But mm. do you feel that when they like do come over and they see like it's not that easy they can kind of like like not have this like can they understand because we're not our, we're not born with a clear credit history let's just be honest exactly <laughs> exactly exactly and i i think that i think it's very difficult because people people have to want to see both perspectives Yes. Um, for me, I know, like I said, I know a plethora of people from you to my friends that are also African that have, you know, a wide variety of views. But for me, it's like you have to look at the facts and the facts mm -hmm. are is like people, black Americans are here. But a lot of people are reluctant to take those next steps because of all the trauma in their history. A lot of people just want to stay with the status quo because it's safe, because mm -hmm. they don't they don't want to go into one hundred thousand dollars worth of debt to be a doctor. They don't want to do that. You know, but for us, if we're coming from Nigeria, to us, it's like, I want to be a doctor because I want to do this. I want to be a doctor. Yeah. That's the only thing on your mind. But everything that's on other people's mind, they have children, they have grandchildren. They have who's the first on their mind because they have other things to deal with because they were here their whole lives. They yes. saw their grandparents, great, great grandparents yeah. struggle with degrees. So to them, it's like, you know, like, okay, I have a job. I can sustain myself. What else? What else do I need? Not saying that yeah. everybody's perspective, but you know, I feel yeah. like some people can be comfortable doing the status quo. Like, yeah. and we have to understand that. Like, no, you're fine. Cause like what you're saying, it seems like American, black Americans are basically like, and I agree sometimes, like you said, like they don't, like Africans don't realize like all the stuff that we had to go through. 
So basically, it seems like we're we're afraid to fail. Like we're going in, we go in with the hesitant look at, outlook of it. Like, but if I do this, this might happen. Or if I do this, that might happen. To where yes. some people that come over are just like, I'm getting it done. Yes. I don't care. I'm getting it done because they, but they don't realize that America, <laughs> they don't realize the last one about America. <laughs> just put it that right. way. <laughs> There's it's a true. lot of stuff that went down here with everybody. I will say that the adversity that they face in most of the West Africa or African countries in general, like, you know, a lot of different parts of third world countries. So like, we don't know, like, so some people that are coming from Africa to come here, like they're leaving everything, like, and they don't have anything. Like what they come here with is like, like hard passport and maybe a phone. So like they're coming from, some cultures are coming from being the first person in their entire town to even be accepted to a college. Like, you know, their parents like selling the clothes on their back for them to go to boarding school to get to college. So I think for them, they have been facing adversity from a young, young age, you know, like five, six years old, taking care of four or five younger siblings. You know what I mean? So adversity looks different on everybody. But I will say that I think some people think that because I went through this adversity and you didn't, you should be able to do this as well. And everybody is just different. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I agree with that statement. Well, where did you say you went to school? I went to Millersville and I also went to Kristown, yes. Where did you get your master's from Kristown? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know why I know that? Because you're a behavior therapist. And you also sound like you took, yes. you took clinical psychology. You know, I'm going to tell yes. you that too, because I'm married to a behavior therapist who took clinical psychology. So yes. you are really dissecting a lot of what people don't interpret or really they, they misconstrue or misunderstand about why this, these things are happening. Right. And I think from your perspective, it's actually unique because you are second generation or first generation, shall I say, first generation here, um, your perspective and the fact that you grew up in Lancaster, which is not necessarily like Philly or like you said, DC or, or New York or like anything like that. The fact that you grew up in that area. Montgomery in, County. In Montgomery County makes it even more like mm -hmm. an eye opener. You get what I'm saying? You know, and so for, for our listeners right. that, don't, that don't know about the state of Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania is pretty much, a, it's a big state. And on the East Coast, you have Philadelphia. On the West Coast, you have Pittsburgh. In between, Pennsylvania is known as Alabama. So you have to know that you know, living in, in those in those environments and coming up in those environments and not just hard within your own culture, but outside of your culture is even just as difficult. So I definitely, I, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm digging everything you're saying, of course, you know what I mean? I'm over here like, yeah, I know, definitely, mm -hmm. definitely. But, um, you know, one of the things I wanted to ask you was, did you find it hard to integrate both cultures as a first generation? Did you find it hard to integrate them in order for you to, I guess, operate, you know what I mean? Um, not be considered yes. one way or one or the other, you know? Yes. For me, it was a little bit easier in high school and growing up because, like, I grew up in a predominantly white area, so there's either white or black and maybe a sprinkle of people who identify as Latinx, and then that's really it. So to, to them, like, I present as black, so whether my family's Nigerian or not, like, it doesn't make a difference because that's how they view me. Um, it was difficult because a lot of people didn't understand um, what nuclear family looks like in Nigeria versus like 
any, any African culture versus American culture. Because when I was growing up, my friends would want to come and sleep over, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you know, I don't have the space. Like, my grandmother lives with us. They're like, your grandmother lives with you. Like, what do you mean? Like, I'm like, my grandmother lives with us. Like, she's our caregiver, you know? They're like, oh, well, does she work? Does she drive? I'm like, no, she's never worked. She's never drive, like, driven. She doesn't speak English. They're like, well, like, yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? So things like that. But I never really had a problem, I think, because, and if I were to have an issue, I think people would be a little bit reluctant to speak on their full perspective because, like, you know, I'm always right back with it. Like, so, okay, so let's discuss. And they're like, wait, you know. So I never had any issues um, ever. Um, I did I did go to an HBCU for one year, Delaware State University. Mm. It was a little difficult for me there because that was the first time I was fully immersed in Black culture. And I was like, so, okay, like, this is what we're doing. This is nice. This is cool. Yeah. You know, like, all the music that they're listening to, I'm yeah. like, okay, who's this? They're like, you don't know who this is? I'm like, no. They're like, it's Migos. I was like, oh, okay. okay. You know what I mean? So for me, I... I I, you know, took it with the full spoon. I was ready to take it all in. I mean, I'm glad I spent the year there. Um, I did transfer because a lot, a lot of the programs are losing accreditation. But I would have loved to stay there. I still have good friends that are still there um, in that area. So it was a great experience. I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't, I would say that I have never, I've never faced a lot of, like, discrimination um, outwardly. But, I mean, growing up, you know, it was breezy, you know. My family, we all, like, did different sports and stuff like that. So they knew our family because like we're all very athletic, very good in school. So like they just they knew that about us. So like, you know, stereotypical black family, everybody's good at sports, like, oh, are you so and so sister? You know? So yeah. That's dope, man. That's dope. I mean, I, I think that's just, you know, you gotta take it how it comes, as they say, you know, and and you gotta be able to you gotta be able to, to be able to navigate those things. You said something that was really um I, I put a star next to it because on the show, we're always talking about HBCUs, and um, you talked about just how you know the experience was an eye opener. You know what I mean? Just how how it was how you had to immerse immerse yourself into the culture. I would definitely. I mean, do you think that do you think that now more people are are more accepting of African cultures than what they were say maybe ten years ago? I would say that people are accepting of selective pieces of the culture that they're exposed to. So I would say that people, I think people would, you know, fully dive in and immerse themselves in African cultures if they felt more welcome to do so. For example, you know, a lot of people go to Dubai, people go to Egypt, they go to Morocco, but like any further than that, they don't go. Maybe they don't, maybe they'd rather go if they knew somebody who would go with them kind of thing. But I feel like a lot of us as Africans, we don't, embrace our american friends like hey me and my family are going to nigeria in december like let's go do you want to come with us you know my brother has a friend who's egyptian and for many years when they were in college they would go to egypt just to visit you know i think i think it needs to be a more open conversation because at the end of the day culture is going to be widespread regardless so why i understand that we're trying to hold on to our customs but our customs are always going to be of that nation or of that ethnicity or of that cultural group so why not bridge the gap of understanding by showing and educating and saying oh like not every west african country is a third world country there are resorts here there are beaches here there are concerts around the world you know things like that so 
you know, I, I love the fact that you're bringing that up because, um, Ty, you know how we're always talking about the, yes. the, the African um, economy, you know, within the within certain countries like Ghana, right. Nigeria, and um, even Cote d'Ivoire, Liberia. Like these countries are actually starting to not be third world as as the society views them you know what i mean and i'm not third world to be honest with you i mean i'm talking more about they're starting to catch up with some of the more developed countries as far as economics they have oil they have resources they have you know their schooling is definitely up to par with everybody else's i can't even tell you how many nigerians i know that are super 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 smart and they become doctors even before they before they leave nigeria they just come over here to make sure they become doctors in america you know what i mean so right right I specify all of that because um, when you think about when you think about to the 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 divide itself as we're talking about, um, I think the misconception is that to be honest, we we were all colonized. You know, we were all we were all had overseers. We were all oppressed in some kind of manner. We were all had our our freedoms stripped from us. Whether it was freedoms from you know, just living our everyday life or your, your freedom from your own natural land, lands you live on, you know what I mean? Um, I think people just have to know that we do have similar, pa similar paths, We've, we do. We have very similar paths. But I think a lot of times media and society and what is per perpetuated through media often dictates how we view people. That's really what it is. It dictates how we view people. So if I'm watching, if I'm watching Nigerian movies, I might think all Nigerians are just this way. You get what I mean? And oh, if I'm watching, if I'm watching hood movies, I might think all Black Americans are this way. You know what I mean? So you have to understand that it, it's it's not just one of those things where it's like we don't we just don't understand each other. It's been a time period where these things have been instituted. You know what I mean? And I, I think that I think the divide was was actually orchestrated on purpose. And I think that for us, we have to find a way to continue to make that divide not exist. But I tell you what we're gonna do, fam. We're gonna take a quick break. And when we come back, we're gonna definitely talk more talk to Akuna more about her experiences and you know her 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 ideals. I, I love her philosophy, it's very progressive. And yeah, man, I definitely I, I definitely want to get everybody's insight, some more input on it, because it's I mean I, it's a broad topic and there's so many layers to it that I definitely think we have to discuss. So fam, we're gonna take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Michael from Up and Darby. This is Jimmy Boss Podcast on Philadelphia Radio. Welcome back to the Jimmy Boss Podcast on Philadelphia Radio. We thank you for listening. Remember, family, you can call us at 844-844-1244. Again, it's 844-844-1244. You can also email us at jimmybondspodcast at gmail.com. Again, it's jimmybondspodcast at gmail.com. That's J-I-M-M-Y-B-O-N-D-S podcast at gmail.com and welcome back to jimmy bond's podcast on philadelphia radio now family we are starting this second segment on the first segment we were talking about the black and the african-american divide and i was lucky enough to have or blessed enough shall i say to have miss akuna on here breaking down exactly her experiences and what it is she has she has experienced growing up um, living in the Pennsylvania area. And on this segment, I am happy to have join us my boy Seyun. And Seyun is a native of Ghana. 
Um, he right. came to this country when he was three, and he has um, he's been here ever since. So what I wanted to do, family, was get Say Young on and uh, pretty much do the same thing we did with Akuna. Ask Say Young about his experiences growing up here in the states and what you know what it what it's like being an African American here in the states as far as culture. Uh, so Say Young, we'll, we'll we'll definitely talk about that. Okay, Say Young, tell me about uh, a little bit about your experience growing up, bro. What was it like? Yeah, it was it was. Uh, a bit of a culture shock, you know, it was different and it wasn't like some of the experience wasn't too good, especially in high school. It was different, like, you know, you, you know, picked on, you felt like an outcast pretty mm. much, you mm. know, yeah, it was, it was rough in the beginning, but later on as time goes by, then I pretty much adjusted to everything and it wasn't too bad. Later on, when they got to know me and my culture, and I got to know them too, vice versa, then everything went pretty well from there. You know, one of the things that um, Akuna was talking about, and I, I love how T calls her AK, um, but what Akuna was talking about were some of the microaggressions that she had within her own culture. Um, like, you know, some of like, you know, the family looking down upon you or looking at you a certain kind of way and that kind of thing. Did you have any experiences like that? Yeah, yeah. From the African background, you know, parents, family members, they expect a lot from you. It's up to you to just, like, work hard a lot to come to your stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah. You know, one of the, one of the things I see that you and Akuna talked about um, was, was I, hear, I hear a lot about responsibility that that's something that stands out within your culture is that you have a responsibility to do certain things. And I'm not saying it's like, it's not like that in the black culture. I'm not saying that at all. Right. But what I'm saying more and more in, in, in depth is that it is, I guess, uh, my, I love to use this word, it is embedded in your culture that, you know, the responsibility you have for your ancestors ain't going forward. You know what I mean? Um, what do you, what do you, what, what do you feel about that? What do you feel about the responsibility? Because you talked about about like how much your parents demanded from you. What, what, what do you feel about that responsibility? I'm sorry, I can't really hear you. I, I was talking about responsibility. What do you feel about the the demand your your family will put on you to have the responsibility to you know do good in school and and succeed? You know, here in the states, what do you feel about that? Is was was that challenging? Yeah, it was challenging. It was challenging, but I feel like it's a it's a requirement. In order to succeed in this life we live, you know, it's just it's necessary steps you have to take in order to progress, you know. Yeah. And like like you said, it, it was a challenge, you know, but that's, I, I'm kind of glad I had to go to that because it made me a better person. Yeah. You know? so yeah. It wasn't. Yeah. And, it, and it's, it's always been instilled in us as a kid to always be prepared to face the challenge. Yeah, yeah. Be, be prepared for the challenge. Right, right. Be prepared yeah. for the challenge. Always, always be prepared for the yeah. challenge. Um, yeah, always. Do you have, do, do you, and, and I'm going to ask you this too, Akuna. In your culture, right. um, I, I'm going to ask you first, Sayana, and then I'm, I'm going to ask Akuna. In your culture, do you have any um, rites of passages or rites of patches, should I say, that you go through um, that prepares you for the next stages in life? Uh, 
Yeah, we do, kind of, but mostly spawned from our parents, pretty much. Like like I said, the preparation, right from childhood, you know, you have to go through all that, all those stages, you know. Okay. And I have to adapt to life uh, situations. Uh, through life situations? Yeah. 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 Akuna, how, how do you feel about it? I would agree. I would say that a lot of the lessons or the different trials and tribulations that your parents put you through are more so like learning lessons. So, you know, your parents always tell you like, you know, you make sure you get good grades, make sure you do this, make sure you do that. It's embedded in you, as you said. So a lot of times that's the kind of mind frame that you keep doing everything, you know, very steadfast, you know, you want to go and achieve your goals. And it's just like, something that is just expected. Not everybody is the same, of course, but I mean, even like in the kitchen and your mom is cooking, you know, mom always said, oh, make sure you're watching me when I'm cooking. One day you're going to be making this stuff, you know, make sure you're watching me how I'm cleaning. One day you're going to be cleaning this way. Like watch me how I'm taking care of your baby brother. Soon you're going to be taking care of kids for yourself, things like that. So now that I look back, I see all the different lessons that were just ingrained in like day-to-day life. Right, right. Ty, you had a question. I wanted to make sure you got that question in before I, I, I ask something else. Yes, well, the question be um, directed to both guests. Um, I'm big on history and researching history. And one of the things I would like to know is, over here in America, the Europeans, for the most part, have put together our history, which is false. So in Ghana and Nigeria, have the Europeans put together your history as well, or... Do you have like a culture of history that's been handed down traditionally? Uh, Akuna, you, you first, Akuna, go ahead. Okay, so yeah, so I mean, in Nigeria, there was a Nigerian Civil War in the 1960s. So Nigeria got independence in 19, I want to say 1960, even 1960. Right, 1960, October yeah. of 1960. Yep. Yeah, so there was a war that we called the Nigerian Civil War, which was the Biafran War, which was the war against a lot of the cultural groups that were in the north versus a lot of other cultural groups that were in the southern region of Nigeria. So there was a lot of bloodshed, a lot of, you know, dead bodies, just a lot of people, soldiers that, you know, passed away due to this Nigerian Civil War. So Nigeria was colonized by the British. Right. So the way I understand the history and the way that my family explains it to me is that the majority of Nigeria almost, I wouldn't say conformed with the British, but the, the British are widely Catholic Christianity. Nigeria also has a very vast section of people who follow Catholicism and Christianity. So I think it was very difficult for Nigerians to separate their history from the colonizers because they shared the similar religion. While it was widely oppressive and Catholicism is still widely oppressive, that that turned into the main religion in that area. So it's very difficult. It's a fine, fine, fine line because the way that my parents reflect on it is that Yes, the British came, you know, they colonized, they did this, they did that. But when the British colonized, they masked a lot of their oppression with development or enterprise or, you know, investing. Listen to Burna Boy's song, 
he spoke about another uh, a song called Another Story on his last album. He spoke about how the Niger Nigeria was colonized by the British and how a company that's still like here in the world now called Unilever invested in a lot of the different colonization of Nigeria and but it's still around today it goes by a different name called Unilever so if you listen to that song he talks about a lot of the history um yes. of the country itself Akuna I, I should tell you right now family Ty on this show is known as Dr. Research Ty yes. does his research Ty has done his research okay so he has <laughs> he has an extensive knowledge of things that people should know about so I have to let him speak on this issue because this is something he, I mean, he, he doesn't, it ain't about preaching. He doesn't preach this. He really specifies to me what, why, is, why this is important. Okay. So, so you know, we're going to ask you the same question, but I wanted to get Ty, Ty's perspective on what Akuna just said first. Go ahead, Ty. Okay. No problem. No, I just wanted to touch on when she said, uh, Unilever, because it was the, uh, the Niger company that, also was backed by the British company that went into Nigeria. And it's crazy because Unilever, I used to actually buy their products. It's a company that sells a lot of products, different products. And one of the products I used to buy from Unilever, I didn't know it back then, but it was their soap, Lever Soap. Mm -hmm. That's from the Unilever company. Lever 2000, Yeah, and that company that she mentioned is part of the big problem in Nigeria. Wow. Back then, yes. Wow. Yeah. Well, I used, to, I used to buy that soap, too. I, I used to buy that soap, yeah. too. Yeah, I used to buy that soap, too. Definitely, definitely, definitely. Wow, wow. That's it. This is why I love doing this, family, because it's stuff that you find out that you didn't know before. And that's really what it's about. Right. It's about it's about opening your paradigm, opening your knowledge, mm -hmm. about being, being, being open to absorb new things to yes. help you understand why things are the way they are today. Um, Sayun, I wanted to ask you the same question that uh, Ty, Ty asked Akuna was that is your your history in Ghana is your history written by the Europeans like it is here and it, it is in Nigeria per se? Uh, it wasn't written by Europeans actually. Like it was more like with Nigerian and Ghana history is very similar. It's mostly all of history, pretty much. You know, so it's it's been passed on from generation to generation. Mm. You know, so yeah, until the uh, the British came too, and we still kept most of our history, honestly. Mm. Yeah, it wasn't really uh, whitewashed pretty much, so we kept it. I, I like to hear that, Sayang, and I'm gonna tell you why. Um, recently, we recently we just did a we just did a podcast recently called uh, "Has Black History Lost Its Prestige." And within that, within that podcast, Ty's talking, Ty talks a lot about exactly what you're saying. Um, right. And the fact that you're saying it, it was passed on from generation to generation, that is what me and Ty will all be specifying what does not happen within the black culture in America. Mm -hmm. And the fact that, that even with the British colonizing Ghana and colonizing Nigeria and colonizing Liberia, and the world the the belgium belgium doing cote d'ivoire and a lot of a lot of those european countries they all of them told each other that there was resources and gold in west africa so they all went down there and pillaged raped and pillaged okay let's not get it twisted all right the yeah, fact that yeah. the, the fact that, that 
that these African cultures, and I want to specify Africa is made up so many different nations, okay? So many different nations and so many different cultures from tribes to all different kinds of things. These cultures have been passed on from generation to generation. And me and Ty asked the question, why has that not happened within the black community, within black America? And our response pretty much was, it was, you know, our, our history was written for us. So that's the reason why we asked, was your history written for you? You know what I'm saying? And your response, both we have first generation a Nigerian and, and a Ghanaian, the first response is, no, we, we, we kept our history. So you have, to, you have to look at that family as something as to, okay, well, they did that. Why, why can't we do that? You know, what is it, what is it upon us? What is it upon us that, that stops us from retaining those things that keep us from going? Akuna, what, what is it, Akuna? Go ahead. I see Akuna raised her hand. What is it, Akuna? Well, the way I conceptualize it is that um, a lot of, you know, Black American families here have ancestry that dates back so far that the ancestors that are here, whether it's their great-grandmother, great-grandparents, like a lot of it is traumatic. Like they remember it, but they don't want to remember it. They don't want to discuss it. They don't want to revisit it. You know, even when I, you know, discuss with my dad about like the Biafran War from 1967 to 1970, he doesn't even want to visit it because it's that traumatic. You know, he's lost friends. So I think a lot of it is trauma based. And I think a lot of it has to do with accepting where life is right now and not revisiting the past because the past hurts. It doesn't feel good. Ty, do you feel the same way? I mean, yes. I mean, the European culture has been put on us, and that's around the world for the most part. The European culture has been put on us throughout the world. But again, like with our history, it can go back over here, it can go back to the early 1400s. I can trace Nigeria's back to like 1500. Uh, Ghana, I can trace that back to like 1500 too, you know, for the most part. Like over here, we have like textbooks that we can read and go into, not only from Europeans, but from our own people as well, about our history. And the one thing I can't find is like actual textbooks or history books from like Ghana or Nigeria on their particular history. Gotcha. So like, gotcha. do they have like actual textbooks in regards to their history or is everything like a traditional word of mouth passed down? Gotcha. God, now see, that is a very, very interesting thing. Um, but like we have like what's called historians over here, so-called right. historians. Right. But I don't know if Nigeria or Ghana has their version of historians for their history. Right. And if they do, do they just pass it down traditionally through you know, word of mouth, or is it actually written? Right. If you don't mind, I can answer that. Go ahead. Yeah, like I said, like the um, the Africans, based on oral history, they call them griots. They're like storytellers. They, they, they will pass the stories down, you know. Griots. The stories, Griots, yes. The ancestors and everything. You know, there's a certain book you need to read. It's called History of West Africa. Check it out. It explains everything in there that pertains to where you want to ask. History of West Africa. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely going to do that. See? See, you had a comment. Um, yeah, well, it was a while back. But do you feel, because, like, you know how she said, like, uh, like Akuna and... Um, Sayon. 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 I wanted to make yes. sure I said it right. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> you know how they said, like, it's embedded in you? Like, back in the day. Do you feel like, um, like, Black Americans 
the reason why we can't, because sometimes we just don't want to listen. And that's why we can't have everything passed down to us because we don't want to listen and we don't want to actually go and say, oh, this happened, this happened. That's what I feel personally. It's like down the line, people just stop listening. We need to start listening to each other. and We need to start listening to our history yeah. and learning our history. Yes. I, yeah, yeah. That's that's what I feel. Go ahead, Sam. Go ahead, Sam. No, go ahead. What were you saying? Yeah, the problem with that is, see, the new generation. It's a lot of distractions going on. It's mm. so much going on right now. It's a lot of, uh, I cannot say, it's a lot of um, pressure for uh, both black men and black women in the white community and Western world in general. It's a lot of pressure. You know, and distraction. And you just don't have time to want to sit down and think about your history. It's just you've just been bombarding and acting all sides, mentally, physically. It's just it's just exhausting, you know. So they just divert their attention to something else, you know. Like slow down and focus. Like he's like all the distractions around us. We just need like focus and slow down in society. Everything's just bam, bam, bam. Bam, yeah. bam, bam. Yeah. Just Deliver. slow down, take a breather, you yeah. know, or clear your mind and learn about something that you need to know. Yeah. Who cares what somebody's on Instagram? Who cares about other stuff? Like stuff is happening that we're not open yeah. to, even yeah. wanting to learn about. Yeah. 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 Like it's, 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 a, it's a lot of, um, yeah, it's just a lot of distractions, man. It's a, it's a lot of distractions, a lot of focus. You know, an average black person is worried about how they're going to pay their bills, fit in society, you know, fit uh, in the corporate world. It's just it's so much. You, you don't have time to think about stuff like that. And everything yeah. is moving fast paced. Everything is so fast paced. It you is. Know? It's it is. Like time. You're trying to figure out how you're going to catch up. Don't stand still. Exactly. You just want to catch up. Yeah. We, we are survival mode right now. Pretty much. So, I mean, unless. And then, <laughs> I'm sorry, go ahead, Sayon. I'm, I'm sorry. No, no, yeah, go ahead. And, and, then, and then being in survival mode, just like Akuma said, lose track of what we're supposed to be learning as an individual. That's a that's a great point that you make, man. Um, that we are in survival mode. A lot of people. I mean, yeah. look, Black Americans and African Americans, we're all in survival mode right now. Um, and yeah. and and I'm gonna be honest. It, it has a lot has nothing to do with the pandemic. I can't even say that it, it's just the pandemic. I think we've been we've been. I think we've been in survival mode for a long time. Um, for a long time. For a long time. And I was gonna tell you another thing too. Our history is your history. Nigerian history is your history too. Y'all came directly from us, you know. So it's up to you to just do the research. That's it, pretty much. That's it. And I'm gonna ask you. I'm going. I'm and I'm saying I have to ask you a question about that in in the second segment or in the third segment yeah. because you know looking back and evaluating what we're talking about, there are a lot of complexities, a lot of intricate details, a lot of things as to why we have a miscommunication or divide between our, our, our cultures. You know, I, I think that this opening this discussion is vital for us to begin to start looking at solutions. You know, I think at this point, we're, we're at a point where we can, we can say, okay, these things are, these things happen. This is why kind of these things happen. And um, we have to start realizing that we can take it to a different place collectively. 
Sayana, you said you said that you know we we are from we come from Africa. We're directly from we're we're, we're descendants from Africa, and that is right. that that is also why I think this is important to have this conversation. Right. So, family, I tell you what we're gonna do. We're gonna take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to do the third segment. We're going to have, this, the third segment is going to be great because I'm going to have some great questions to ask our guests. But, um, family, this, this is important because I, I this is important because I, this conversation sometimes is not talked about because it makes people uncomfortable. You know, at Jimmy Bond's podcast and Odelphi Radio, all we want to do is make you uncomfortable because if you're not uncomfortable, you won't make changes. Okay. If you don't, if sometimes you don't like what I say, you don't like how I feel, or you don't like, you don't, you might not agree with what Ty's saying, you might not agree with what T says. But the point of the matter is, we want to challenge all of the norms that you live by. Because what Akuna said and what Seyoung is saying is that we're in, we're in a position of, of, we're in, we're in survival mode. When I think about that, I always say, well, why are we in survival mode? There are more black people on this planet than what you ever imagined. Okay? So why are we struggling as black people, African people, why are we struggling to survive if we have such a plethora or such a large, vast amount of us? We don't have to survive no more. We should be existing, period. And we shouldn't have to ask no favors from nobody. Period. The amount of money we have, the amount of money both cultures have. There's money in African culture, and there's money in black culture. Don't get me started. There should be no reason, family, as why this divide is in. Listen, we're gonna take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Michael from Up and Darby. This is Jimmy's Boss Podcast on Every Delphia Radio. Welcome back to the Jimmy Boss Podcast on Philadelphia Radio. We thank you for listening. Remember, family, you can call us at 844-844-1244. Again, it's 844-844-1244. You can also email us at jimmybondspodcast at gmail.com. Again, it's jimmybondspodcast at gmail.com. That's J-I-M-M-Y-B-O-N-D-S podcast at gmail.com. Welcome back to Jimmy Bond's podcast on Philadelphia Radio. Now, family, again, on this show, we are talking about the African and Black American divide. And we have two guests on today. I'm so happy to have them on. We have Mr. Akuna and Mr. Seyun. Akuna is from Nigeria. Seyun is from Ghana. Rather, I should say their families are from Nigeria. Akuna's family is from Nigeria, and Sayoung's family is from Ghana. Akuna was born here in Lancaster, in the Montgomery County area, shall I say. And um, uh, Sayoung uh, emigrated here when he was three from Ghana. So we have two first-generation African-Americans on our, our podcast today to really give us a perspective from their experiences. Moving forward, what I wanted to do was make sure we got everybody in. So T had a question before we went to the break um, that she wanted to make sure she got it. I said, go ahead, T, I ain't going gonna, gonna to interrupt you. Do your thing. I just want to know, do you guys think that we can come together and this divide stop? And if you do, how do you think we can achieve that goal? For me, like, the divide, like, isn't present. Like, even growing up, like, my parents were never really, like, outward or like discuss like 
the Nigerian American, like black American divide. Um, I just think that I, I would say so, but I think people need, like um, Jimmy was saying about people needing to be uncomfortable in order to learn. And I think that's what a lot of people are shying away from. Um, we're willing to learn about the history or I think people are willing to learn about the different nuances of different cultures when it's an expectation, when they have to work in a specific environment, when they have to learn, go to school and learn in a specific class. But I don't think there's enough emphasis on wanting to really bridge that gap. You know, I, I always want to bridge the gap because like I said, I have friends that are Haitian, I have friends that are American, I have friends that are Spanish. So for me, like, my friend group of the people that I associate with, we're not all the same cultural group at all. We all have different cultures that we come from. And for me, that's normal. Like everybody being from a different, a different socioeconomic status, a different state, town, blah, blah. a lot of people that are of cultural groups only stick with those cultural groups. You know, and I think that can be detrimental to our thinking and just to us learning more about what's around because you learn from everybody in your life. So if you, if we know we're, more reclusive to learn from a different culture or a different culture like do we think that they cannot teach us something or do we just think that we know everything that needs to know so we don't need to connect with other people you know mm -hmm. definitely definitely say on, say on what do you feel about the question um i think right now we just have to uh grab and program ourselves and it's going down like she said we have to learn about our history and uh we as black folks, we need to start thinking together collectively, which we don't do, we think separately, and that, that's creating a lot of division. Like if you take white people, for example, they think collectively, like they think together, you know, that's why they have so much power, like they're able to reason together, you know, and set aside the differences and just come together, they think collectively. So we need to start doing that. And we need to educate our kids, our future generations about our history. We need to keep passing that on. I think that, that, that there's hope for us, honestly, for our union. Okay, Akuna, what, what did you what did you want to say? Um, I agree, like completely. But I, I would say that I believe that it's easier for white Americans or people that are present as white, whether they're Jewish or, you know, Palestinian or whatever, it's easier to connect as a group when you're not the group in the country that's being oppressed. So, you know, it's easy for white Americans to unite, right? Because they're not the largest group in America that's being oppressed by socioeconomic status, different things like that, because they already have the one up because the white privilege is present already. So I, I would say I understand that perspective, but I would say that it would be easier for them on that point because they they can see that they have the power because the power is in privilege from the first step. Yeah, well, man, I think it's a great point. I, I think it's a great point. Um, Ty, you had a, you had a question for the guest. What, what was your question, bro? It comes to the divide part. Uh, the history has been there for a long time because Europeans had told Africans one thing about America. They told America something totally different about Africa. The one thing that me and you, Jimmy, always talk about is we don't have a think tank. I don't know if Africans have a think tank. I don't know if Nigeria or Ghana has a think tank, but I know we don't have one over here. And a think tank is where your, I don't want to say elite, but your intellectuals will come together to solve problems and issues for your people. I always say you can't be in two places at the same time. 
you can't be African American. You're either African or you're American. And we all know that America is the name of a corporation, not the name of a people. Yeah. Same thing with Africa. That's the name of a corporation, not the actual name of a people. I don't think uh, Akuna and say you don't call themselves Africans. Y'all call yourselves by your native lands, correct? I'm Nigerian. I'm Ghana, right? Right. Right. That's how you identify. You know, we call ourselves Americans. Although that was the original name of the land, but we even downsized that too. Jimmy, where are you from? I'm from DC. Born and raised. DC. You don't say I'm American. You say I'm from DC. I'm from DC. I'm going to say I'm from Philly. I'm from DC. I'm born and raised in DC. I can't. I don't because I can't. I can't tell you where I'm from. I can't tell you that I'm from West Africa. I can't tell you that. Even if even if even if I went and got a DNA test, I can't tell you that. <laughs> well, you can't go by a DNA test because a DNA test is not going to tell you where you're from. You can't spit in the cup and that's tell my you what point. tribe you come from. That's, that's my, a, but that's why I brought that up was because this is what people uh, do often. You know. But back to the divide part. Yeah. Right. Yes. 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 Yeah. A DNA test is not going to tell you what tribe you come from. <laughs> and another thing, say you don't say. Sayun said that uh, we come from, you know, Africa. And I don't know, Sayun, how much research you've done on the history of the slave trade, but the slave trade was told in reverse to us. Our ancestors never taught us about a slave trade. Europeans taught us about a slave trade. So the slave trade was told to us in reverse. And that's one of our biggest divides, because a lot of us think we came from Africa. When Columbus first sailed over here to the Americas, that was in the late 1400s. So in between the time that Columbus came here and when the British first stole the ship from South America and docked it in Jamestown in 1619, that's about roughly 127 years. That's 127 years that the history books don't talk to us about because during that time, they was taking everybody from America, not everybody, but they were taking a lot of people from America and shipping them back over to Spain, Europe, and some into Africa. One of the biggest things they say today is that uh, Angola was Brazilians. And that's because the Brazilians went and populated Angola. So that's why they had the similarities. Brazilians actually went, actually went over there. You have 127 years of history that's missing. There are no recorded records of slave ships. There's no recorded records of Negroes or black people names being put on a ship and transported over by sea. You have to really dig into it because back in the 14 and 1500s, all boats were used as sailboats. There were no motorized boats. So boats traveled by the sail of the wind. Whatever direction the wind took them, they had to maneuver through the course of the sea and the currents. And if you went from Africa over to America, it would take you at least six months by sail, by wind. Now you have to account for cargo, the size of the ship, how can you have thousands of people chained up on the bottom of a ship traveling for six months to get over to a land that they know nothing about and just start working? It, it doesn't work that way. Now, a lot of our history has been kept from us and it's been told to us by Europeans. That's why I was asking, did the Europeans give you your history or do you have a traditional history, a oral history that's, See, that's, that's different now, side. whereas over here, it's, it's not passed down. Yeah, so we're going to have that division until we actually come together and we go back and research what actually took place in the past and then bring it forward. 
If we don't know our past, we're not going to know where the future is going to take us. That's so we exactly have to go back true. to the past first and see what actually happened and took place. Then we can come together and figure out a solution moving forward. Until and, then, the divine is still going to be there. And, and you know, that's that, that's the point that you bring up because I, I wanted to ask, you know, T brought up the point of what what can we change? You know what I mean? How can we change this? How can we make this different? Right. And I think that, you know, a divide is a divide really is a barrier. You gotta cross the barrier. That's it. Point point blank. That's it. Cross the barrier. Say young will tell you. When I met Say Young, Say Young Say Young picked me up a couple of times. I used to be an Uber driver. So I say when Say Young picked me up, I, I requested an Uber. He was an Uber driver. He came and got me. We started a conversation. From that point on, me and Say Young have been boys. Okay. I, I wish I, I wish I could get, talk to him and spend as much a lot more time with him as, as I do. But you know, we both have busy lives. He got he got a son. I got kids. It, it is what it is. But you got to cross that barrier, family. You can't just sit there and be like, I don't know no Africans, or I don't know no Nigerians. I don't know no people from Ghana. I don't know no people from Cote d'Ivoire. I don't know no people from Liberia. I don't know no people from Egypt. I don't know no people from Sudan. I don't know no people from South Africa. I don't know no people from Morocco. I'm gonna keep going. Because Africa is a huge continent, okay? I, you have to cross those barriers. There are people that live in your community that you don't know that are from these countries that can teach you a wealth of knowledge about what it is and why you are the way you are today. And I'm just talking about like, because they're from Africa. I'm, I mean, I'm talking about because they have experienced some things that you don't know. Our culture is blocked, it is ripped, it is it is whitewashed for a reason, and African culture right now is trying. They they are trying to do the same thing. They're trying to do the same thing, and I see Af my my African brethren like no stop it, <laughs> like stop it. You know one of the questions I was going to ask both you Sayon and Akuna was what do you feel? And I mean concrete. First thing to come to your mind, what do you feel about Black is King? Uh, okay, well, I didn't watch it. Oh, that's okay. Well, what do so, you think about the hoopla, the hoopla of it? Well, I would say that it is a nice showcase of various African cultural clothing. Um, very decorative, very bright, very beautiful. Um, from my perspective, um, T and I actually had a conversation earlier, like earlier in the week. For me, it's very difficult. Um, you know, I was a, I was good with the Lion King. I like the soundtrack. You know, she had different African artists on it. That was wonderful. For me, Blackish King is not something that I'm chomping at the bits to watch. I'm not, I'm not moved by it because, I, well, I mean, in relation to culturally African, I'm not I'm not moved by it. You know, I'm not I'm not a part of the Beehive. I don't stand. I don't do any of that. For me. I just feel that because Beyonce is the one doing it, I think that's why it's very, very public. That's why it's very, very saturated. And that's why it's getting the buzz that it is. Because if another African artist did that, nobody would care. And what it, but what exactly, my, my, my thing is, you know, a lot of people, you know, idolize Beyonce, which I also don't agree with because Beyonce is a regular person that's, you know, been through abusive family members like anybody else, you know, hardships, you know, was a child star, like Michael Jackson, abusive dad, you know, okay. You know, I'm not really moved by it. Um, say, say Young, how do you feel about it, man? How do you feel about Black is King? Oh, I haven't seen it yet. I 
gotta check it out. Is there a reason you haven't seen it, or you just you just you just hadn't had time to see it? I didn't have the time to. You haven't had time to see it. Yeah, well, I'm gonna check it out. Like this kid, brother Beyonce. Yeah. Did you did you hear what uh, did you hear what Akuna was saying about it? She was talking about how it, she wasn't really moved by it. It wasn't something that she she said that she thought it was a nice representation, but she wasn't really moved like, by can, it. Like, can you give me just a, a little uh, brief summary about it? Who me? What, what, yeah, what was it about? Uh, Black is king. What was it about? Well, was it about? You, well, here's the here's the thing, bro. I'm, I'm gonna be. I wanted to be as neutral as I could could on this issue because of my job to be right. neutral. But right, right. you know, I'm gonna be honest with you. I didn't see it. I didn't see it because of a lot of the same reasons Akuna just mentioned. I'm done, dude. I'm done. Let me just let me just tell you, I'm done. I am absolutely done. Okay. <laughs> Family, I'm going to disclose some stuff that people don't know about me right now, all right? I have to disclose this because this is something I need to understand, all right? My legal name, the name I was given from birth, is Jawara Atiba Lee, okay? That is my name from birth. My son has the exact same name. Jawara means peace-loving and understanding. It is from Gambia. Most white Africans would tell me that it's actually from Cote d'Ivoire or it's from somewhere within West Africa. You spell it J-A-W-A-R-A. Some Africans spell it with a D. Some, pe some, some people in Cote d'Ivoire pronounce it differently as Jawaha, so it has a D in it. Long story short, okay, family? My mom gave, my, gave us all African names. I have, I, have four, I have three siblings. We all have African names. When I was a kid, my mom was engulfed within the African culture in DC, engulfed in it. When I say engulfed in it, I mean engulfed. I mean, she she learned how to do the libation. She learned about the ancestries, the deities. She learned about the priestess. She learned about she, she learned about the, the how the society worked in Africa. Maybe she didn't get a chance to go all the way over there, but she had people that were from Africa, these African countries, Cote d'Ivoire, Ghana, Nigeria, these West Africa, these West African countries. She had people that could give her concrete firsthand information, not people that just made up stuff. So I had such a different background. I had a rites of passage. I had a naming ceremony. I had I had my mom make making sure she pulled libations for me and, and 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 my ancestors who had passed away every day before I went to school. I had this. This was something that I had as a as a black American in this country. Not that I'm thinking, oh I'm well you know I'm so different than everybody else, blah blah blah. I'm telling you this because you need to understand that you can't just take their culture and do whatever you want with it. You just can't. You cannot do that. It is not fair. It is not right. If you're gonna if you're gonna adapt somebody's culture, you need to remove yourself from it. You show them, not yourself. You put them first. You put that culture first. You put everything about them to the forefront. And you don't and you don't you don't pick a whole continent. You pick a country. If you're gonna do Nigeria, do Nigeria. If you're gonna do Cote d'Ivoire, do Cote d'Ivoire. If you're gonna do Tunisia, do Tunisia. If you if you're gonna if you're gonna do Ethiopia, do Ethiopia. But don't make Africa this one big continent that everybody thinks that Africa is a whole big continent. That is European thinking. That is European thinking. I have a Nigerian on my show, and I have someone from Ghana on my show. Both of them are uh, when I say they're from, their families are from there. Both of them are not the same culture. They're not the same thing. Nigerians and, 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 and Ghanaians are not the same people. So please stop stop putting an umbrella over Africa like it's it's Africa. Like, come on, man.
Stop it. Just stop. Just stop. So I, I'm done with my, my rant and my, 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 you know, going in on this. I'm not trying to knock Beyonce. I mean, applaud her for the work she's done and the fact that she went and did it and she's trying. I, I see you, Akuna. I know I, I, I'm shaking my hand, too, because it's, <laughs> it's just unacceptable. It really is unacceptable. And so what happens is you have somebody with this much power, this much platform, really misinform the people who she is supposed to be informing. I know, I know, listen, Jimmy Boss Podcast, I know I challenge norms. I know I say things. I know I attack people. I'm not trying to be anti-Beyonce. Beyonce is a fantastic, phenomenal performer. Never take that away from her. But what I'm telling you right now is if you take on a responsibility as a gatekeeper, you have to make sure that you pay the homage that you're supposed to pay. And you pay the respect you're supposed to pay. And you put them first. Africa needs a, the, the if you're gonna use if you're gonna use Africa as 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 the platform as the continent as a platform, then make sure you propel everybody, every single country in Africa. If that's what you're gonna do, that's my point. That's my spew. That's how I feel about it. Ty, you know I'm passionate about it. T, you know I'm passionate about it. Sayana and Akuna see how I feel about it. I told you I was trying to stay neutral, but I just can't. I don't have a choice. It is not who I am. Jimmy Bonds is, is my name that I gave myself because Jimmy James is my father's name. So Jimmy's my name. My father's not here. I'm his last son. I took his name. Yes, I did. Bonds is our connection, which means that everybody I talk to, I have a connection with. I make connections. I talk to people. I try to mend fences. That's where Jimmy Bonds comes from. And that's why you listen to the Jimmy Bonds podcast, not the Jawara Lee podcast, because... That's for me. That's mine. That's my family. That's not for the public. But I share that because I want people to understand that my background does not allow me to exceed this divide and let it let it lead my life. You know, I love my African cuisine. I'm sorry. I love it. Okay? I love it. You know what I'm saying? I love it. I, I go right to my, I go right over down to Southwest to get my, my food at, at the melting pot. Let me tell you, I do, I do not divide against anybody. I, I try everything. My background and the people that know me, if I, if I didn't do that, they would frown upon me. So I'm saying this family, and I don't mean to keep going on the tirade. I'm saying this because I just want us to be better at this thing. I want us to be more inclusive with each other you know if if you if you're from nigeria let's open up your let's open up your friend circle let's get you some let's get you some regular black friends you know what i mean let's let's open that up if you're black let's open up your circle let's go ahead and get you some friends from ghana or get you from friends from liberia Cote d'Ivoire, nigeria like whatever you want to do but we have to open us we have to open up our worlds people so that we can get this divide and shatter it, make it so that it don't exist, okay? Vladimir Putin said something real recently that I want to mention to y'all before I end this show. He said that Africa is a graveyard for money, for us, pretty much. That nobody should invest in Africa because Africans don't invest in Africa. Do you understand what I'm trying to tell you? This is what Vladimir Putin said. I am not for that kind of thinking. I am for investing in, in us as a people, us as a culture, and us as a community. 
So I want us to always make sure that we don't live, we don't, we don't feed into that type of foolishness. That we make sure that we take care of each other because we are all here now. We all have to live, we all gotta coexist. Say young, did you have anything you want to say before we close the show out? Nah, I just wanna say thank you for having me on, man. It's, yeah, it's a great show, really. Yo, man. Uh, and, uh, and, uh, and I was going to say another thing, too. With Beyonce, anything celebrity, it's, it's, all, it's, all for, uh, it's all for profit, man. It really is. We as black people, we are much bigger than that. Spiritually, mentally, everything. We, we're much bigger than what she's trying to portray, you know? It, it, it's crazy. It really is. Like you said, it's, it's whitewashing in its own way, honestly. Uh, on that note, Akuna, Mr. Akuna, you have anything you want to say? Oh, I just want to say thank you. I enjoyed myself. I love discussion. I love to talk. So this has been wonderful. Thank you. Well, I'm I'm super happy that you, both of you came on. I'm super happy that, you know, the, the team, we were able to bring this together because it's a discussion I've been wanting to have for a minute. And a lot of times you have ideas, you don't know how they're going to come together. And, you know... I know God shouted on us on this one tonight. So I thank y'all from the bottom of my heart on behalf of LW Radio and Jumbo Bond's podcast. I thank y'all for making this what it was supposed to be and making it more than what I ever expected. As usual, Ty Tiana, I love y'all so much. I thank y'all for doing what you do. Uh, to our guests, Sayana and Akuna, listen, we're going to probably open this again. And you guys are always welcome to come on anytime you want to. Believe me. Um, and, you know, I definitely just want everybody, you know, we just got to move forward, man. We got to do this together. We got to do this together as, as a unit, as a, as a unit in this country. And as, as I end this show, I just want everybody to, you know, take care during these times. This, these times are different than we've ever had before. Take each day, one day at a time. Don't rush yourself. Be patient, even through the challenges. And on that note, family, I'm Jimmy Bonds, and I'm out. Peace. Fam, that's going to wrap the show. We want to thank you for listening to Jimmy Bond's podcast on Philadelphia Radio. We ask you to leave your comments and questions at 844-844-1244. Again, that's 844-844-1244. You can also email us at jimmybondspodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's jimmybondspodcast at gmail.com. That's J-I-M-M-Y-B-O-N-D-S podcast at gmail.com. Now, remember, family, we are still in a COVID-19 pandemic. So please, please, please remember to wash your hands, wear a mask, and practice social distancing. Also, remember to take nothing for granted and value every opportunity you have with your friends, your family, and your loved ones. For in these times, every moment is sacred. So until the next episode, you can find me on Good Hope Road, screaming, stay up, don't sleep in your dreams. I'm Jimmy Bonds, and I'm out. Fight on. Come on. Fight on.